Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook Community Church Online. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. I want to wish all of our moms a happy Mother's Day. We hope you have a great morning uh, this morning. We're glad that you are with us um, today at Springbrook.live. If you are watching uh, our feed on uh, Facebook, uh, if you could just make a little comment to let us know that you were here, that'd be fantastic. Uh, If you are on our uh, website, springbrook.live, we have a whole team of hosts uh, that are available for you this morning to uh, pray with you. I would like to encourage you to uh, let us know that you are there as well. Uh, Wherever you're watching um, our service from this morning, we are glad that you are with us uh, today. I just want to let you know that we got our Peacemaker Slippery Slope cards in. Uh, last week. And so if you uh, have clicked uh, that link that filled out that online uh, connection card, um, we mailed those out last week. Um, We got a new batch in uh, this week as well. So I just want to encourage you, if you'll take a moment to fill out that online welcome card, um, we'll send you one of these slippery slope cards uh, just for uh, registering, letting us know that you are with us. And uh, these are great resources. We we talked a little bit about flight and assault responses uh, when we think about conflict. And we're really working hard uh, to encourage one another to stay on top of this slippery slope and conflict. And that's what this series is all about. It's about being a peacemaker in spite of the conflict around us. And I know that, uh, that this quarantine, uh, the, t- the fact that we've all been together at home uh, with our family uh, locked in our houses has created lots of opportunity uh, for conflict. And so we want to give you the resources that you need um, to work through those in a healthy way. And it's not just conflict, uh, but it's also weight. I was telling Bethany this morning, I'm, I'm sitting forward. I have to lean back a little bit because I've got my quarantine 10 going on here right now. So we're going to have to do a health series after this. <laughs> but uh, we are so glad that you're uh, with us today. And I also wanted to let you know that if you'll uh, sign up to give online at Springbrook, we have some of these Peacemaker books uh, still available. Um, We started mailing those out last week as well. And so if you want to sign up to give online at Springbrook, uh, we'll send you a copy of Ken Sandy's Peacemaker book uh, just as our gift uh, to you. Well, we're glad that you are with us today. Hey, last week, just want to let you know we had uh, a blood drive here at Springbrook and we achieved 110% of our goal. Uh, Two weeks ago, we had 165% of our goal. Last week was 110%. And uh, it's been a privilege for us to be able to come alongside of uh, different agencies in our community to support them. Uh, We want to thank you for the support of uh, Springbrook um, that enables us to be a support to our community and our congregation as well. And so if you have uh, any way that we can support you, if you've got any questions about our ministry, uh, please go to springbrook.org. There's a place for you to stay up to date with some of the news and events at Springbrook. Um, If you've got any immediate needs uh, that we can serve you with, um, you can click that link as well. Uh, But please let us know how we can serve you and pray for you. Uh, But we are glad that you are with us today. Uh, Looking forward to our time together. Pastor Matt's going to be out in just a few moments. Uh, But let's sing a few songs together first, and then Pastor Matt will be out in just a moment. So thanks, Bethany. Yeah, I just want to say good morning as well to our Springbrook family. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to you as well. I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the moms and Also acknowledge those of you for whom this might be a hard day. Um, If you have struggled with infertility, if you've lost a child, if you have a hard relationship with your mom or with your kids, um, this this can be a hard day too. And so we want you to know that we see you and we are for you and we love you, even if this is a heavier day in your story. I want to read to you our call to worship today from Isaiah 49 says, sing for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. 
Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. And so let that be an encouragement to you today, wherever you are in your story, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever conflicts you've come through this week with your family, you are not forgotten. God has not forgotten you. You are written on the palms of his hands. Let's sing of his unrelenting love this morning. Salvation sounds a new beginning As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bid is unrelenting Your love goes on When the world gives way, you cover us, cover us with your endless grace. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love. Chain you set us free, fighting for. 
This morning, Heavenly Father, that's our prayer this morning, that you would be our vision, that you would be the lens that we see the world through, that you would be the lens that we see our circumstances through, our difficulties and our struggles, that you would be our vision, that we would have our eyes so fixed on you that everything else falls away that everything else makes sense in service to you and your glory and your perfect sovereign plan for us. We pray that you would be our wisdom as we move forward in an uncertain time in an uncertain world. Would you be our wisdom? Would we seek you? Would you give us hearts for you? Heavenly Father, I miss my people. I miss this family. And I grieve every single day that we can't meet together now. And yet we thank you that nothing can contain your gospel. Nothing can contain or hold back your people, the body of Christ. And so we thank you. In the midst of our grief today, we thank you for the good that you are doing in us and through us in this time. I remember when I was little and I couldn't fall asleep. And the night seemed so, so long. And I was finally able to comfort myself just by remembering, no matter whether I sleep or not tonight, the morning is coming. The morning will come again. The night won't last forever. Father, I pray that there is a spirit of hope and peace in the midst of the hearts of your people. But this is a long night, but we are not forsaken. The morning is coming. You are with us as we wait. Father, will you just be near to us? Make us aware of your presence. And as we prepare to hear from your perfect word this morning, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to tenderly receive what you have for us in your word this morning. Father, we love you. All of this is for you and for your glory. We pray this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's so good to be seen by you. Since none of you are here, I'm sure you're all laughing at home. I just can't hear it right now, but... Um, I'm so excited to be here this morning. Uh, this morning we are continuing our series on peacemakers. Um, uh, Rich and Tim have preached the last few weeks, and we're, we're talking about being a peacemaker at home, in our world, in our communities. And, and so today we're going to continue that conversation. Um, but first, um, no one's seen Lucy in like a couple months. Um, and so I've got some pictures of her. Um, and I want to just show these to you. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, the, this is Lucy. She's just she's so cute. She uh, 
she started, we got her a high chair and she's sitting in it and she started eating solid food. Um, and this, this is my favorite picture of Lucy right now. Um, we made peas for her um, and she takes after her father in thinking that green food is not for her. Um, but uh, we have just been having a blast in the, in the midst of the sorrow of not being able to meet and not being able to see you all. I, I am just really enjoying getting to be a father, getting to be home. I mean, I'm a father whether or not this is going on, but, but being able to get home and spend more time with Lucy. There, there have been blessings in this, and, and still, I just want you all to know I miss you. I wish you were all here. Um, this morning, I wish as I'm talking, I wasn't staring at a camera, but could see all of you. But I'm, I'm glad and grateful that we have this technology so that we can meet and connect. And so, I, yeah, hopefully I'll see you soon. So, well, this morning we are talking about peacemakers, and we're going to talk about managing expectations. And, and what, what better way to talk about it in my mind than to go back to um, Adventureland? That's the name of the sermon. Um, this is a picture of a roller coaster at Adventureland called The Outlaw, um, and it has a place very near and not very dear to my heart. Um, you see, when, uh, when I was very young, um, I, uh, when I was a little boy, I uh, my family used to go to Adventureland every summer. Now, if you've never heard of Adventureland, it's like, it's in the center of Iowa, in Altoona, Iowa. Um, and it's, uh, out here we have, you know, Six Flags. So to compare it to Six Flags, it'd be like one flag and no licensing rights. Um, so it's like a much, uh, but but anyways, when, when you're a little boy, when like however old I was, um, I have trouble with my timeline on this, so I'm not even going to try because it might get fact-checked. But, but when I was a young boy, what I remember is we would go to Adventureland, um, and I had it in my head. I have an older sister, and I had it in my head. Her and like my cousins and her friends, they go on roller coasters, and I was kind of scared to go on them even after I was tall enough. Um, and so I didn't really want to go on roller coasters, but I had it in my head that if I wanted to be a big kid or even a man, the way to do that and, and the step towards doing that in my life would be that I would be able and willing and often ride roller coasters. This is like a real thing that I thought. I thought that this was a picture. This was the expectation I set for myself every summer. And, and so I, I remember a summer where I wasn't really willing and I finally went on the, the smallest roller coaster at Adventureland. Um, and the roller coaster, I don't know the name of it, but um, it is the best thing I can equate it to is the roller coaster that you would see if you went to um, like a Walmart parking lot and the carnival stopped in town. But I did that one and I was like, I did a roller coaster and I will not say which family member did this, um, but one of my family members kind of mocked me. Um, I only have one sister and it may have been her. But um, anyways, the, the, so, so finally I started to ride bigger roller coasters. And I remember the first time I rode the Outlaw. The first time I rode the Outlaw, the Outlaw is this rickety old wooden roller coaster that just swooshes around. And the whole time you're on it, your head just goes side to side. Um, and, and I went on it. And afterwards, you know, you get that adrenaline feeling when you do a roller coaster. Um, but if you're me, um, I get super motion sick. And I remember when I rode the Outlaw, when I got done riding the Outlaw, the first thought in my head was, why does anyone want to ride a roller coaster? Because I felt so sick. It followed me the rest of the day. I didn't throw up or anything, but I felt awful. But in my head, the expectation was, well, if you're a big kid, if you're a man, you're going to ride this roller coaster. And so for like 
I'm kind of ashamed to say this. I also think it's funny looking back on it now. That's part of wisdom. But um, I I spent a long time in my life, whenever I went to amusement parks, I would ride all the roller coasters and I'd be like, we got to do this. And every time I got done with a roller coaster, I felt sicker and sicker. And then what made it even worse is then if we had to drive home, I'd have to sit in the back of our van and I would feel sicker and sicker the whole way home. And, and the thing was, is in my head, I had this picture that this is the expectation. If you want to be a big kid, a young man, an adult, if you want to be, if you want to grow, Matt, this is the thing you have to do. This is what you have to measure up to. And, and today we're going to talk about expectations. And, and as we talk about expectations, I, I want to say, first off, to all the moms out there who are in, in the last two months, you have become homeschool teachers on top of everything else. You've also become, if your husband's working from home, you've got a whole nother dynamic at home right now that maybe wasn't there before. And then the kids and, and e-learning. <sighs> but, but you have all of that that has been put on you on top of all the expectations you already set for yourself. And so this morning, we're, we're going to try and do a expectation reset. And, and I can think of no better place to do that than to read Proverbs 31. And so we're going to jump into that right now. But before we do, I do want to say one important thing. When we read the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is a book of principles, not promises. In a perfect world with no sin, Proverbs would be a book of promises. But it's not because because we live in a world where there is sin, there is evil, we are fallen. And so you can live out all the principles of the book of Proverbs and not see the same outcomes. The point of the book of Proverbs is not you will have a perfect life if you follow all of these things. But, but the point is, here are principles to help you live well in the world that the Lord has created. So, so we're going to jump into Proverbs 31 right now and, and then get into our message. Proverbs 31.10. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Um, We thank you for this picture at the end of the book of Proverbs. And um, as we open your word this morning, um, I pray first off um, that uh, it would just be your words and not mine. 
um, that you would just speak through me. And I pray you would give us all ears to hear and eyes to see what your word is trying to show us. I I pray you would enable us to just respond. I, I pray that through this message that you would help us reset our expectations and our focus on you if they're misaligned. Um, And I pray that today would lead us towards a pursuit of Proverbs 31. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, we're in Proverbs 31, and and Proverbs 31 today, um, uh, Proverbs 31 today is is a picture of a godly woman. That's what it shows up as. Um, In fact, I did a Google search. I know you can't read any of this, but if you look at the color scheme, I do not believe this is a masculine color scheme at all. Um, and, 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 and so when you look at this, it, it's very pink. Um, I didn't type in Proverbs 31 woman. I typed in Proverbs 31, and it immediately, most of these mention woman, Proverbs 31 woman. And they talk about, for women, what it means to be a Proverbs 31 woman. And, and you go in, and, and you see that over and over. Um, in, in, in fact, um, the, there's only one of those first and one of the first few Google pages that's different. And um, the, the change that sometimes happens is that the second point I want to make is, so Proverbs 31 gets shown as a picture of a godly woman, but it also gets shown as a whole bunch of traits that godly women have some of. Um, in fact, the, there's one here that says right on it, stop trying to be a Proverbs 31 woman. And it says that, but then you click on it and it goes into detail saying, hey, for, for some women, you may be a really good cook or you may be good at this or you may be good at that. You don't have to be all of these things, but as a woman, you should be godly in some of these things. And so it kind of softens it a bit because the, the big idea of the, if, if it, this is a picture of a godly woman, it's a very high bar. And so, so some lessons or preachings or resources talk about this as if it's, well, you don't have to be all these things, but you should be some of these things. But Proverbs 31 is also, it's a women's ministry manifesto. There are Proverbs 31 websites and podcasts and resources for women. There, there are so many books on it. I, I Googled it and I was like, I don't have time to count this out. But, but there are so many books on how to be a Proverbs 31 woman. I get, as a youth pastor, I get emails all the time about curriculum for young women on how to grow up to be a Proverbs 31 woman. How are we setting up our girls to be Proverbs 31 women? Um, they, they show up all over the place. And, and finally, um, it's Mother's Day. And um, I've never heard Proverbs 31 preached on any other day besides Mother's Day. Um, and it, it gets preached all the time on Mother's Day. And, and we're, we're going to talk about this in, in great detail this morning. Um, I, uh, obviously, if I'm laying it out like this, if you know how I preach, it means that I, I maybe I'm going to say this may be wrong. Um, but, but before I go in, I want to say a couple things. Um, first off, I have talked with Jess a whole lot. Um, and and um, me and her kind of worked through all this. I feel really good about everything I'm going to say. Um, me and her joked, I checked my privilege, um, and me, me and her kind of walked through it. Um, and the other thing is, I talked to a number of women at our church, young and old. Um, none of them actually old, though. But um, I, I talked to a number of women at our church about Proverbs 31. And when I talked to them, there was one thing that resonated with all of them that they brought up. And it's that when they hear a sermon on Proverbs 31 they feel like they don't measure up. And that's sad. That's sad that, that this passage is a passage that whenever we bring it up, we bring it up to talk about moms and women and to just lift them up. And when they hear it, they feel like, well, that's a good ideal, but I'm never going to be that. And so today I, I want to go in a little bit different of a direction. 
um, by talking about the problem, problems of Proverbs 31 if we preach it as a picture of a godly woman. And the first problem, you, women, when a lot of women said, I feel really inadequate when this is preached, or I feel like I'll never measure up. Women, you will never measure up to Proverbs 31. I feel icky right now, but, but I just want you all to know, if you were, I'm glad you're not here so I don't have to look you in the eye. The only person is Bethany. Bethany, you will never measure up to Proverbs 31. I asked Bethany before the service today, she did not make breakfast for her children or her husband, and I just could not believe that. Um, I, I, that's a picture of a godly woman, is that they should do that. And um, I, I joke with Jess, but I mean, she didn't make me breakfast this morning either. Um, but, but that's a little one. But, but you look at that whole picture of Proverbs 31, and no woman is ever going to measure up to that. You, you just aren't. Um, it, it's not possible. Moms at home, if your family made you breakfast in bed, shame on you if Proverbs 31 is about a picture of a godly woman. Okay, stay with me. Please don't stop the stream. Um, so I want to tell you all, um, Lucy, one of my prayers, and, and Jess and I talked all about this, one of my prayers is that she doesn't grow up thinking I need to measure up to Proverbs 31. That is a true prayer of mine. And I, I, obviously, I'm, I'm going to move towards something here about what we should do with Proverbs 31. But, but I just want to make sure I say this. I, 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 I want to practice this with my daughter. I, I want women of the church and men of the church, I want us all to practice a right, healthy understanding of Proverbs 31. The, the next thing we have to look at when we look at Proverbs 31, so, so right away I say you don't measure up, and you might have something in your head saying, yeah, but we don't have to. We just have to measure up to some of it, and, and we're all godly in some ways, even if we're not godly in every way. The problem with that is that Proverbs 31 is an alphabetic acrostic. What does that mean? Well, the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters, and Proverbs 31.10 through 31, each verse starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order from Aleph to Tav. They only have 22 letters, but, but so uh, this is what Proverbs 31 looks like in the Hebrew language. Now, the reason they don't translate this into English is because how are you going to start sentences that match the Hebrew and also have Q and also there's 26 letters to 22, but, but we, we miss that in English, but in Hebrew, this is how Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 is laid out. And what this shows us, this type of alphabetic acrostic, it shows us completeness, the idea is this is a complete and perfect picture. This is it. This is clear. This is complete. And so, so you can't say, well, I'm some of these, because if you do that, you take this perfect picture and just take out pieces of it. And the author and the people who put Proverbs 31 together would look at you and say, you've missed the whole point if you're going to remove parts of it. So we can't say you only have to be part of it, because if we say you only have to be part of it, we're ignoring what the authors did and the beautiful way they laid this out using the Hebrew language. Now, before I say the next one, please do not turn off your stream, okay? Um, Proverbs 31 is used for women's ministry manifestos, and it's, it's used for women's ministry resources. I, women who have grown up in the church or who have been around the church for a while, they've heard you need to be a Proverbs 31 woman. This is a picture of a godly woman. And, and the biggest problem here, the biggest problem here is not that you'll never measure up, but that Proverbs 31 was originally written for men. Okay, um, I hope you're still there. Um, this passage was intended for men. Um, that doesn't mean it's not for women as well, because I'm going to come around and explain how it's for both genders. But the starting point is that Proverbs 31 is for men. And I'm going to use two pieces of evidence for this. The first thing I want to tell you is um, Proverbs has 31 chapters. 
And Proverbs 31 is the final chapter. And, and when we say that Proverbs 31 is for women, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, what we say is that the whole first chunk of Proverbs is for men. And that there, there's, um, in the book of Proverbs, you have authors like Solomon who put, wrote a bunch of the Proverbs. And then you have someone who's called the compiler who took the works of Solomon and others and put them together into 31 chapters. And basically what we say when we say Proverbs 31 is for women, and it's a picture of a godly woman, the first thing we do is we say that, that that compiler got to the end of this whole beautiful book that builds from a young man to an old man and went, you know what I forgot? Women. And so he just threw something on at the end really quickly. And not only did he just throw something on really quickly, what he threw on is just for wives. If we read Proverbs 31 as a picture of a godly woman, if you are not married, you cannot be a godly woman. And, and that's not right. That's not right at all. But, but if we read it as this is a picture of a godly woman, we, we have to say that because that's what it says if we read it that way. Now, on top of the passage being at the end of this whole long book that's originally intended for men, over and over it says, my son, my son, my son, that there's a theme that builds through it. Uh, if we say that, the other thing we ignore, um, Proverbs 31 is an alphabetic acrostic. It is also a chiasm. I know you can't read that at home. But I, you can see the shape. A chiasm is like a, a pyramid. And what happens is the points on either side build. And when you get to the center, you have the big idea of everything. And what is the big idea at the center based on what all the scholars who study this passage think? It's this, public respect for husband. If Proverbs 31 is written for a godly woman, the only way she can be godly is if the center of her life is public respect for her husband. That's it. And, and so I, but again, I'm, I'm saying, I don't think this is about godly women, but, but that's what Proverbs 31 puts forward. And, and the thing is, is that Proverbs 31 is this beautiful alphabetic acrostic and chiastic structure where the author put all of this time and work into this beautiful piece of poetry to, to, to put it there. And, and so we, we come to the end of all this. And what I want to tell you is when we do this for Mother's Day sermons, I think it sets mothers up for failure and women up for failure if we use it as a passage this way. I don't think that Proverbs 31 is used the way we use it. Now, I've just thrown a lot at you. And now I'm going to try really hard to show you what it's about. Um, and I, I hope you'll stay with me. But, but we, we come to the end of this and, and there's a different picture that shows up in Proverbs 31. You see, the woman in Proverbs 31 is actually introduced to us in Proverbs 1. Um, you see, when Solomon writes the opening of Proverbs, he, he says, my son, my son, and he tells his son that there is a woman he should pursue. And, and he brings this woman up over and over in the book, and the other authors do too. And the picture is not of a earthly woman. Instead, what we see in Proverbs 1, 20 and 21, it says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. The woman in Proverbs 31 is wisdom. The point of Proverbs 31 is not, hey women, I tacked on something to tell you how to live. Here's the expectations. The, the point of, of Proverbs 31 is to say, this is a picture of a life lived wisely pursuing wisdom as a wife. And, and this isn't the only example of this. If you go to Proverbs 4, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. 
Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Proverbs 4, 4 through 9. And, and when, you, when you hear this, you should start to say, this sounds a little bit like Proverbs 31. In fact, in Proverbs 8, the whole of, chapter, uh, of Proverbs 8 is actually wisdom speaking. And if you read through what she says, she says, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way at the crossroad she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud to you, O men, I call and my cry is to the children of man. Proverbs 31 is a picture of a woman, the, the lady, it's lady wisdom, it's wisdom personified that shows up through the whole book of Proverbs. And Solomon tells his son, from the start, the woman, the thing you should pursue is wisdom. And we're going to define wisdom in a minute because I think when you define it, you go, wow, that's really cool. But, but at, at the, the starting point, what we want to make sure we see is that the woman in Proverbs 31 is not a picture of a godly woman that a human can attain. It's, it's actually the personification of wisdom. And, and so Solomon is saying, pursue wisdom above everything else. Let me tell you, when I, when I read through Solomon's stuff, something that like, clicks in my head. Solomon, that dude had like a thousand wives. And so if you're going to say, well, he knew how to write a passage or a thing about a godly woman, mm, I don't know if you want that from him. Um, he has some questionable things. Uh, but but the, the point here is that what Solomon pursued in his life above all else and what he desires for his son and for anyone reading Proverbs, male or female, is to pursue wisdom as if they were your spouse, to develop that relationship, to grow in that relationship with wisdom all the days of your life. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 is a picture of a life spent pursuing wisdom. It's not, it's the eulogy. It's as you're at the end of your life. If you pursued wisdom well all your life, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 is what people should say about you, the elders in the city gates. It's, it's not something that you can just do or be in a moment. I have some great examples of this. Um, so, so wisdom is a moving target. Um, I, and real quick, I got permission from Jess before I used any illustrations about her. Wisdom is a moving target. When Je- I've used an illustration before at this church about how Jess gets hangry and how she gets so angry at me if there's not food on the table. When Jess was a teacher, if she came home and there wasn't food on the table by 5.30, she was frustrated. And I'm the one who does all the cooking in the house. So she'd come home and I'd be like, I got to make sure dinner's ready. Or I got to make sure there's something for her to heat up. I got to just make sure there's food there for her. And, and this was like a pattern in our lives from the second year of our marriage right up until she quit working last year. Now that we've had Lucy, Jess does not, when 5.30 comes, if Lucy's still taking a nap, Jess is like, I don't want to eat right now. Let's eat when Lucy's ready. We got to sit her down at the table. We're going to eat with her. Jess has, like, I used to, when Jess was like hangry, I'd be like, hey, you should eat a snack. And she'd be like, no, when's dinner ready? She'd be like, I don't want a snack. I want to eat, you know, and we'd go back and forth. But, but now Jess will be like, I'm going to have a snack because we're not waking that little girl up if we don't have to. And so, so that's a shift. And living wisely now is not saying, well, I'm going to make food anyways, because it used to work. Living wisely is recognizing this and finding patterns and communicating well. So as expectations change, we move forward together. That's, that's wisdom. Wisdom is not saying it worked once, so I'm going to keep doing it. Now, I have one other example to kind of prove. I, I think the woman in Proverbs 31 is absolutely lady wisdom. And if you're not on board, I have one other example that I think is really good. And I'm really excited to use it 
because as I was preparing for this passage, it just kept bouncing in my head and I kept going, ho ho. So um, there's another passage. It's the passage I hear women in our church quote the most often. And, and that passage is, um, it's in Luke chapter 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now, when you read this passage, and you think of Proverbs 31 as a picture of a godly woman, if that were the case, right here, what I think Jesus would say is one of two things. He'd either say, Martha, you're right. I'm going to go tell Mary. She's got to help you if she wants to be godly. Or... Jesus would say, Martha, can you not take care of this on your own? Are you not godly enough? That, that's, that's what would happen if Proverbs 31 was actually the picture of a godly woman instead of a picture of wisdom. But what does Jesus say instead? He says, um, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I, I hear women in our church all the time say, I feel like I'm a Martha, I wish that I was more of a Mary. Jess said that this week when we were talking about something. It's, it's something that just comes up all the time. And when you pair that with the picture in Proverbs 31, being a godly woman, the reality is, is that you strive for this picture of a godly woman that's a Martha instead of striving towards the Lord and sitting at his feet. And, and, and being a godly woman or a godly man, being someone who pursues the Lord the right way, it is not about the things that you do. It, it, in fact, we, our, our salvation is not our work at all. It's by the grace that Jesus gives us. It's by grace we have been saved. It's not by our works at all. The, 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 the standard that we set up for women and the standard that we set up for ourselves can be so off base that we can lose sight of the beauty of grace. So, as we come back to the end, I, I want to encourage you. Um, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 is only achieved by a lifetime spent pursuing wisdom. You cannot in your life say, I'm really living a Proverbs 31 life right now. If you say that, you are saying that you've achieved wisdom. And I, in my experience, whenever someone says I'm wise, it's counterintuitive. It's the opposite. It's, a, it's oh, you shouldn't have said that. Um, but but the, the, the point is, is that wisdom, it's a moving target. We never get there on our own. And if we think that we have to be that right now, we're, we're going to be paralyzed. We're not going to be able to do anything because in everything we're, we do, we're not going to measure up. And so, so our choices are, we need to take this and say, this is what I want to become. And we need to not start in Proverbs 31. We need to start in Proverbs 1. If we start in Proverbs 31, we're just never going to get there. But if we live our lives towards Proverbs 31, by the time we get to the end, we're, we're going to be closer to that picture of who we are supposed to be if we pursue it our whole life. This is a picture of me holding Lucy. I was asked this morning if I was exploiting Lucy, and the answer is yes. Um, but... Um, in this picture, one of my favorite things so far about being a father is holding Lucy through naps. Um, there was a point in, in Lucy's life, and it's already over, where the best thing I could do for Lucy and for Jess is once a day, I would just hold Lucy for a nap. Because if you held her for a nap, she would sleep for like three hours. 
and it would give Jess a time to take a break. It, it was just the most wonderful thing in the world. And I loved, I'd just sit there staring at her. I'd have a blast. I, I just, I, it was my favorite thing in the world. Now, this is what Lucy looks like when she sleeps. She's super tall. She's just, she wants to move around. When she falls asleep, she always rolls onto her belly. And if you roll her back under, like onto her back, she gets angry and she's like, stop it. Um, she just wants to, she just wants to stretch out and lay. And so if I try and hold her through a nap, she never naps. She also will start cooing at me and be all cute, but she never falls asleep. And what happens is you actually like in the sleep cycle and she wakes back up. And so it's like the worst thing I could do. And even though holding her was one of my favorite things, it's already clear that if I want to be a good father, I'm going to have to do it a different way than holding her. And if I want to be a good husband, it means more than just holding her while she's asleep. I need to be active with her when she's awake. And I love that. So no complaints here. But it is sad that already being a wise husband and father, I've, I've lost something that I loved, but I'm moving into something. I still love everything about Lucy. I dance with her. I, I get so many good things with her. The the Proverbs 31.10 it's, it, through 31, it's a picture of the end game if you're following and pursuing wisdom your whole life. And, and look, at, look at, if we reread Proverbs 31, we're going to see how the, the passage, when we, when we click it this way, it, it changes. You see, because an, it, it says an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. And she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. If we change that to be wisdom personified, the, the passage still has incredible meaning. If you pursue wisdom your whole life, you'll, you're, it's more precious than jewels. You, the person who pursues it, male or female, husband or wife, that pursues wisdom, person who pursues wisdom, you, you, your heart will trust in wisdom and you will have no lack of gain. It, wisdom will do you good and not harm all the days of your life. The, the, the central passage of it, the, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. If you pursue wisdom all the days of your life, those who look at you are going to say, wow, that person was wise. And they're not going to be praising you. They're going to be truly praising wisdom, which is what we see at the end. Because at the end, her husband or the person who pursues wisdom will praise wisdom and will say wisdom surpasses all of that. That's, that's the picture that we come to when we come to the end of Proverbs 31. We, we come to this picture of what it would look like for someone to live out and embody Proverbs 1 through 31, 9. So as we come to the end, we need to define wisdom. And we get, we get the, my favorite description of wisdom is you go just back to Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If, if you want to pursue wisdom, and if you want to become someday someone who says, I was married to wisdom, like a Proverbs 30, the Proverbs 31 woman, if you want to live your life in that way, the starting point that Proverbs puts forward is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all of that. It is the foundation of everything. So, so for us today, what does that look like? Because when you hear fear, I, I think that the first thought that goes through your mind is, what on earth does that mean? And, and the best way I've ever heard it put, I, I hear it on the Bible Project. I listen to a lot of their stuff. They, they, uh, they talk about specifically, they call it reverent awe. Do you put the Lord in his place? He is awesome. He is mighty. He is so much more powerful than we could ever be. Do you hold him in the place where he is? And if you do, you should have fear and reverence towards him because he is so, he surpasses anything and everything we could understand. 
But, but the, the picture at the beginning of Proverbs is that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, which is of knowledge, which leads to wisdom. And so if we want to live wise, if we want to, to have a lifetime spent pursuing wisdom, the way to do that is to spend our days developing our fear, our reverent awe of the Lord. That's what we need to do. So, so in, in closing this out, what, what I want to tell you, if you're trying to say, well, what, if you're wondering, what should I do out of this, Matt? What are you trying to tell me to do? What I would say is, is the goal today is not to say, I want to be Proverbs 31. It's to say, I want to start taking the little steps of Proverbs 1 so that someday in the future, it will be said of me, I was Proverbs 31 in the way that I lived. You, you, the, the developing that fear of the Lord is a daily thing. It's something that we have to foster. We have to grow our reverent awe of the Lord, our understanding of him. And as we do that, we will become more and more wise. As we talk about being peacemakers, having a right understanding of the Lord and having a right, like the, the two main commandments in the Bible, love God, love others. Having a right understanding of God will lead us to a right understanding of ourselves, which will lead us to having right expectations for ourselves and others. And that's the heart of wisdom. And, and, and so what, what I want to encourage you today is not to come up with a list of the 30 or the 22 things that you're going to do to develop your fear of the Lord. I want you to think, what is the thing I'm going to do today to develop my fear just a little bit and just start taking steps? Don't talk about your end game. Talk about today what you're going to do. For, for Jess and I, um, I, this whole shelter in place is weird. I miss our students. I miss our church. I miss our people. But one of the best things that has happened in this is that every night we've slowed down and we do devotions together. Um, her sister is staying with us, um, Ashley, and she joins us for those. And we go through the devotions, we pray together, and then once a week we're asking each other, how are you learning? How are you growing in your understanding of the Lord? And so every week we're growing together. We're spending intentional time in the Word. And I'm, I'm listening to podcasts that, that help me have a better understanding of who the Lord is. And I'm doing things to sharpen myself as I study the word. And my reason for that is, one, it's my job. But two, I, I do extra, like I do things on my own where I just want to develop my love and my fear and my reverence of the Lord because I want the Lord to be the thing that at my, the end of my life, I want people to say, look at how he lived wisely. Not, not because look at all the things I did, but because I took steps to fear the Lord and the Spirit worked in me and helped me grow in that knowledge and understanding and wisdom of Him all the days of my life. And so for you, as you're sitting out there, the, the trap right now, the trap right now is you're going to hear this and say, okay, well, you're a pastor. You know how to lead a small group with your family. I don't know how to do that. And the answer to that is, no, just try it. Just take a step. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a perfect end game. It doesn't have to be, wow, look how well I did. Instead, it has to be, wow, look at the God that we studied and learned about. The, the, the point of Proverbs is to take those steps. Start where you are and take those steps towards the Lord. If you're watching today and you are not a believer, you have not given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, if he is not the resurrected king of your life, let me start by saying that the best way to develop a fear of the Lord is to recognize that we are all sinners and, and we cannot have a right relationship with the Lord. We cannot be in relationship with the Lord on our own because of our sin. Nothing we can do can take us out of that. But the Lord sent his son, Jesus, to die in our place and he rose again and invites us to be part of his kingdom. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and, and the beginning of our ability to pursue that knowledge is to accept 
Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So I would encourage you to do that. For, for everyone else, I, for most of you, I bet you have more free time than you've ever had. You probably have more family time than you've ever had if you're a parent or if you're living home with people. I, and I would encourage you, take time, build each other up, spend time in the Word, and, and develop that fear, that reverent awe of the Lord. Because what an amazing gift for, and if you don't have more time, I'm sorry. I know some people are working extra and know that we're praying for you, first responders, everyone who this is a higher heightened season for, just know that we're praying for you. And I'd encourage you, how can you fear the Lord even in that, even in that busy time? But, but at the end of the day, Proverbs 31 is not a, here's the standard you have to measure up to. It's a picture of you should live your life fostering and developing this fear of the Lord. So at the end of your life, this is what is said about you. And remember, it's principles, not promises. So you can live your whole life this way, and it may not work out in our fallen world. But, but our job and our desire as believers should be to develop this, to grow in this. This is how we grow in our faith. This is how we become more and more like Christ. It's not a heavy burden of if you don't do these things, you aren't living up. Instead, it's a how can I grow in this and take steps towards this each and every day. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the fact that your word's desire is for us to come into relationship with you, for us to know you, and for us to have our lives impacted and changed and our world changed by, by just the knowledge of you. And Lord, I, I pray for each and every person here today. Um, if, if they know you, I, I pray that today they would be encouraged to work on developing their fear of you, that, that, that they would increase their reverent awe of you, that they would take little steps each day to move towards you. I, I, I pray that for, for everyone here who knows you and for those who don't know you, I, I pray that today as they hear this, they would say, I, I want to be a part of, of the kingdom that Jesus came to bring for, for everyone that, that has a light burden and an easy yoke. I want, I want to be a part of the kingdom that, that Jesus offers. I, 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 I want to develop my fear of the Lord today and I, I pray they would put their faith in you. And for all of us, I pray that as Christians, we would not live thinking how we don't measure up but instead we would recognize the one who measured up and who died for us that we wouldn't have to, but instead would get his spirit that we could begin to grow and move towards him. I, I thank you that we have that. I, I thank you that in, in our, our days that, that you do not leave us to do this alone, but your desire is to join us and to help us grow in our fear, our wis, in, in wisdom of you. I, I pray that you would go before all of us. I, I pray that we would be encouraged by this message. I, I pray that we would be challenged to grow. Um, but I pray we also wouldn't turn this into another burden, but would instead put our faith and trust in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for being here. Um, not here, here. Um, I did not think about how I was going to close. But I, I just want to tell you all, um, we miss you. We're praying for you. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for being a part of this. And I just want to encourage you to just this week, take steps just each day. Take, take steps to develop your fear of the Lord, your reverent awe of him. God be with you.